Today we are talking about repentance, a way to receive the Holy Spirit. Repentance as a way to receive uh, the Holy Spirit. And it is from Acts of Apostles, chapter 2, and on verses 38. But before I go to verse 38, there are some key concepts I want to share with us, friends, and we see how does real repentance bring uh, the Holy Spirit, launch the Holy Spirit in our lives. I was so much interested about repentance. Most of us know about repentance, but I came up across two definitions and I wanted to see how do these definitions really relate with repentance and how does it really make a doorway for the Holy Spirit to come and descend upon our lives. The biblical definition of repentance, it refers to the act of leaving what God has prohibited and returning to what he has commanded. And so when you do that, it actually attracts God's attention because you are leaving what he prohibits and then you are clinging and returning to do what he commands. And so in that way, I agree, you would really attract God's attention because you reject what he rejects and you love what he loves. So it has an instance of returning. So you are leaving what God prohibits. You also choose to walk away from it. And this leaving could possibly also mean that at some point you were doing what God prohibits. But when you have come to understand that it doesn't honor your God, then you leave. You take a walk away. And as you walk away, then you return. Return also has an essence that what God commands, you really knew about it, but somehow you never paid attention. And for some reasons, you just opted to do otherwise. But when you come to your senses, like the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, when he had come back to his senses, then he carried his little baggage and walked back home to apologize to his dad. So it, it carries the same essence. And so you return to what God commands because naturally we know what God requires. Even the, the people are not born again. We do not sin because we do not know what is right. We sin because we lack the capacity to doing what is right. We have some essence of slavery into ourselves. But when we receive the grace of God, uh, which liberates our inner uh, man, we are able to return to what God commands. And then, according to Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia for them, they say, repentance is reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for the past wrongs which is accompanied by commitment. You don't just stop there. You make up a commitment and you actually change into your actions that show and prove a change for better. So I want you to note this, friends. We learn in Acts of Apostles, chapter 1, that before Jesus' ascension, 
he first met the apostles after his resurrection he spent some good days you know meeting the apostles speaking to them trying to prove to them that i'm not a demon i'm a real person check my scars i'm real come and touch me feel me this is not magic i'm god i've been telling you but you guys didn't understand you thought i'm just a religious leader like your scribes and pharisees i'm not that i'm more than that i freely laid down my life and so i have the power and the capacity to restore myself back and so i am the real i'm the one so after ascension his, he met with the apostles. So the apostles gathered together when you read in chapter 1 of, uh, of Acts. And when they had gathered together, and they, 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 they met a risen Christ. And on verse 6 of, of Acts chapter 1, we see some concerns. So when they had come together, they asked him, Christ, Lord, when... Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That was their question. So on verse 6, they shared their concern. The apostles, what was their concern? Lord, will you at this time restore a kingdom to Israel? This is what they are meaning. Lord, will you surely, now that, because the other day we were scared, when these guys came and hammered you and boxed you and kicked you, that's why some of us, when they asked us whether we have something to do with you, we said we don't know that guy. Because we were scared to death. We thought they were going to do the same to us. So that, that's why we distanced ourselves. But now that you have proved you are really a great leader that we can rally behind, now that you have proved that you have some extraordinary powers, and those guys killed you, but now you are back to life. Uh, we, we, we are beginning to believe in you again. So, man, we, back on the point, can you still go ahead and throw the Roman government and restore our state sovereignty and our independence and the kingdom of Israel is established again? Would you do that? The concept of taking positions in government had not yet you know, left their mind. They are still looking forward to becoming the ministers in charge of this foreign, be deployed in a foreign nation as, as envoys and ambassadors. You know, they, they, they are still ruptured into, into that. So, they, they are still inquiring whether Jesus can overthrow the Roman government and restore the physical kingdom of Israel. Now, listen. Despite the grace to witness the resurrection power, they are still carnal men with a worldly mindset. They had witnessed all the grace of resurrection and miracles, but these guys had failed to comprehend and grasp the kingdom mindset that Jesus had spent much of his time trying to impart in them. So they are still carnal men. What does that speak to you? There are many of us, friends, despite the grace of the gospel and the workings of God in our neighbors, in ourselves, many times we still carry a carnal mind. We, we hardly really get into the real move of God. We hardly discern 
God's will. Why? We are human. We are human. If apostles were still doubting and are still carnal, even after the resurrection of Christ, and these guys had interacted with him, eaten with him, they had seen him. Most of you are just following by faith. If they failed, they who saw him, how much more are you going to struggle? So the possibility is there, friends, that a carnal mind will still follow us. Why? Because in our own strength, we cannot understand the things of God. And without the grace that is manifested through the person of the Holy Spirit, we may never really understand the workings of God. And most likely, the reason why they are still behaving like this and still inclined to to Israel kingdom mindset, it's because possibly they had not yet received the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit in the equation of redemption is a powerful actor. He's a very powerful actor. You get the Holy Spirit out of this equation, I can guarantee you, you will struggle with a carnal mind from day one to day last. Like I've always said, God the Father planned redemption. God the Son came to, to execute redemption, paid down by his life. Now, you remember, for him before he went, he promises the believers, the immediate apostles and the others would come after, that there would be somebody who would come from the Father, the Holy Spirit, the counselor. For him, his role is to apply redemption. Jesus will not apply redemption on anyone for free. He executed, he signed the redemption and put down his life and he was crushed and he availed redemption to everyone that would come. But it is the Holy Spirit who comes and deals with your dark and our dark minds that do not understand these things. So the Holy Spirit does a conversion and explanation and he gives you the grace. He carries you into the real essence of redemption. So he applies it in our lives. And I'm thinking, could it be because the Holy Spirit, the one that had earlier been promised to them, just because he has not yet been released upon them, it could be the reason why they are still carnal men? Is it possible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you still carry a carnal mind? All these are very serious rhetoric questions that we can think about. Is being a man or woman with a carnal mind, even when you have the Holy Spirit, are you operating in the same measures and dimensions with they who do not have the Holy Spirit? You, you may do mistakes, but they may never be on the same rate. So Jesus now has to respond to them on verse 8. So Jesus' response on verse 8. Where he said, where is verse 8? Where he said that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. Now let me begin on verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I find Jesus' answer to the question raised to the apostles, it is not matching at all. Their concern is, man, now that you are risen, are you ready to, re to overthrow the Roman Empire? 
and restore our freedom and deploy us to be in charge of different ministries and give us promotions so that we also have escorts and leading cars and we are tired of living a life of hideout even when we are apostles. <laughs> we are ministers of God but life is hard. Jesus, can't you do something? Now you see what Jesus responds. He says, okay, it is not for you to know the seasons and the times. Not connected. And then he jumps, he says, didn't I tell you when the Holy Spirit comes? Now, what is the Holy Spirit has to do with the restoration of our kingdom? They could have been saying, but Jesus, what's wrong with you? Every time for you are thinking about the things which are mysterious. And I know there are some people here. When Reverend Hillary is like trying to teach, you normally know, teaches very complicated concepts, but which are real. Some people are like, but where does this man get these things from? Are they really connected? Man, we are asking the restoration of the kingdom. You are telling us the Holy Spirit. Jesus, be serious. Be serious. We are asking you, we need a promotion. This is a season of prayer and fasting. We have fasted for 10 days. The cathedral organized in February, January, February. Into that time, I'm expecting now a change at my workplace, a change in my marriage. I'm expecting my guy to get serious and to be talking about the wedding day, but those things are not happening. And I've finished my 40 days of prayer. Jesus, what's happening? Jesus is showing in dreams you need to take more time in repentance. And you're like, but what do I need to repent about? So Jesus' response on verse 8 projects the vital role of the Holy Spirit. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come. This is what is Jesus saying to them. I know for you are concerned about the kingdom and the promotions. But let me tell you, me, I'm refocusing you onto a new subject. And the subject is the Holy Spirit. You need that one. You don't need the restoration of your kingdom. You don't need to be deployed into new positions. You don't need a promotion as per se. What you need, according to me, your teacher, your rabbi, your leader, I see you are desperately in need of the man of Holy Spirit because when he has come and has baptized you into power, man, you will be able to excel more than being employed by the government, by the president. Your position will be greater than the physical positions and the things that you are fighting for. So Jesus is looking far away. And the moments when you are coming before God with, the, with the very limited ideas and prayer requests, and God looks at you, you are saying, but God, you know I love that guy. How come he's not proposing? And God sees there is no future in the guy, but you are dying on the guy. God scans and says, no future. For your business, please, God, give me this guy with no future. I'm ready. I will help him to change. You help who? To do what? God, please, you know, I need this job. Please, God, I'm going to go for 10 days. Please, God. Then I'm coming to Nuri, and there's one time I was praying for some, some big, big job. And I said, God, you know, you know, I prayed. He invited my prayer teams, he prayed. And I was really, 
I was serving somewhere in a very tiny place, a very slum area, and there is a good job that had come, a ministry job. And I prayed and I checked the requirements. I was qualifying actually more than over qualifying. And I knew. So I needed to add some prayer and I prayed. And I took my application la, 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 and I waited. So as I was waiting, God started showing me in a vision. I go to this organization workplace and I enter. I find every workmate there. They are in total darkness. And me, I'm saying, God, please, I want to go there. And when God showed me that in answer pressure, I cut the pressure. And I never prayed again. And they never even called me. <laughs> Learn to respond to the will of God. Sometimes humanly it's hard. But you can only respond to the will of God if you have received the baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was to baptize them in greater power. And this dynamo would propel them to a kingdom-focused lifestyle. Not to advocate anymore for Israel establishment only, but to be God's agents in establishing God's kingdom right from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus' is, Jesus is offer is better than. For, for them, they want Israel. But Jesus is saying, for you, you guys forget about Israel. What you need, go and wait in the upper room. Get the baptism of this new man who is taking over after my departure, after my final ascension. And when he has baptized you, he's going to transform you so that your mind is not Israel-based. Your mind is God-kingdom-based and broader. So that you, 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 you stop from thinking about the territory of Israel. You think about Israel, yes, Jerusalem. You also think about Judea. You also cross the boundary and think about Samaria. And then you become my agents We establish my kingdom to the entire ends of the world. So that you become my ambassadors, not only in Jerusalem, but you become global ambassadors for the kingdom of the Father. And indeed, in chapter 2, when the apostles had gathered like instructed by the Lord Jesus, then they had the experience of the Pentecost. So this divine encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened, but it happened after their obedience to move, to stop being carnal men whose concentration is on Israel. So by them to obey, to go to the upper room in Jerusalem and wait. It was an illustration of repentance. Willingness to return. Willingness to comprehend to the God's moves. So they repented. They obeyed. Let me tell you, friends, God may not give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, this baptism, unless you choose to walk in obedience. Obedience is very key. One guy said that one ounce of obedience is greater than a thousand tons of a sacrifice. God is not about big, big things you bring before him. He's about your small heart willing to obey him. No, not how much you give in church, not how many lunch hours or fellowships you attend, but the willingness to obey him. Trust and obey. 
For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He wants you to obey him, dear friends. So repentance is the key. The Holy Spirit to come and walk powerful in your life, you need to repent. You need to be willing to turn. While I was speaking, I saw my wife walking in here. Sweetheart, where are you? Can you stand up and wave to us? Ah, she's there. Thank you. I'm going to give a testimony about her. One day. <laughs> One day I was from a very, very powerful mission in Mahabura Diocese. I think about six or five years ago. And God had used me powerfully. I was ministering on a crusade of young people, about 30,000, and many turned to Christ. So I came back in high spirits. So when I reached home in Itsasi, I got into the gate, and she was asking me about something. Then the pride of being a man came in. I refused to answer her properly. And I started swearing unnecessarily. <laughs> and then she also insisted, because she's a Muchiga woman, you don't just <laughs> divert, you have to answer. <laughs> and then I try, I, 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 instead of breaking and explaining, I refused. And then anger took me up. The, spirit, the evil spirit was waiting on me on the gate. I said, you have had, hammered me, Nixora. I'm going to hammer you here. Those are forces of retaliation. If you're not careful, they can even make you lose marriage now and then. Or even you die in a car accident. So it was the grace that covered me. Otherwise, I would have lost this beautiful woman. So out of arrogance and pride, I jumped into the kanga. I picked Say, me, I'm not going to quarrel with the woman. You hear pride. Not going to quarrel with the woman. Jumped into the car. Moved out. I said, let me find some gardens. I sit there for like one hour. I'll come back when you have sobered up. But there's no she was going to sober unless we talk about these things. And then as I moved out in pride and I reached such town from the conjunction of Chisota Road, I didn't look to the left or to the right. I assumed the road is mine from Rajtura Highway. And I pushed <laughs> into the main road and I found a taxi. Hit its back and it wrinkled and my front also was mad. I looked at my car. It has lost its shape. The front face is gone. Then the taxi man is also on me. I have to repair his car. <laughs> This is a poor preacher who has just come back home. <laughs> Pride. Not willing to repent. Not willing to sort out things. For us, my friend, things don't work that way. <laughs> and so shame has overtaken me. What do I tell my dear wife? Then the police now pulls my car, takes it to the police. They had it arrested. It is already mad and arrested. And then I have to pull out some money to pay this taxi man to repair. 
And then the police officer says, but I've been in this process, I also need my cup of tea. But that is your job. So if, you are, if you are not giving me my charge, then I'm not allowing you to pay the taxi man. The taxi man wants the money we have agreed 500 to repair, but the police officer says, to pay a taxi man, you also first give me. And then another bargaining. I will not tell you how we ended. But finally, I made the man get sorted. <laughs> and when the man is sorted now, I have to get my mad car. Though with the mad face, it would still move, shouting. And so I pulled it, very ashamed, lifted all the mirrors because people would be looking at my car, moving with a funny shape, shouting. I pulled it when I reached at the gate. I even feared to hoot. <laughs> but somehow I had to gather some momentum and hooted. And she's the one who came to open. And when she looked at the car, I would see compassion in her eyes. And, you know, genuine feeling like, oh dear, what happened? And, and then out of shame, I'm out of the car. I run out to begin explaining. <laughs> and I'm like, you see, so I explained and I came, said, let's go in the house, and I said, sweetheart, look, it was not necessary that I, I shouted and I ran away. I'm sorry, forgive me. <laughs> and then she comes, she hugs me, she says, it's okay, but things were not okay, I've already made rose. But she says, it's okay. <laughs> she comforts me. I had, God had given me the grace to repent, but I had paid the cost. And I repented. <laughs> There's a time when you repent, but you have to pay. <laughs> God will forgive you, but some things are going to be paid down. <laughs> you can't just run away. So I repented. And now I bent down and said, even touch my head and pray for me. I knelt down. She's a serious intercessor. She started praying for me, breaking demons. She came to the sun that the demons were following me. <laughs> breaking the demon, following my man, Fire! Say, oh yes, burn it, my dear, burn it. <laughs> and, uh, she prayed. And uh, when she had forgiven me, guess what? I took the pictures of the front mad face of a car. I, the spirit guided me to some friend of mine who has a supermarket down there in town. Said, my friend, look at my car, I've had this challenge. And because I had repented, turned to God, the spirit of God started working, connecting now. Restoration. And this guy said, Reverend, so when are you planning to fix this? I said, why? The only man I had, I've compensated the taxi man. I'm going to park this car. I'll make savings maybe after four months. That's when I can. Say, no, 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 no. Let me send my boys. The guy sent his boys. They came with a breakdown, picked the car. In three days, they brought it back as if it had never had an accident. The Lord had forgiven me. And so, friends, that's what God does. When we repent, make a U-turn. When we have that remorseful, genuine remorsefulness before our God, we are willing to, to obey and abide in his word. This God forgives us. And then the Lord restored our car, and then we celebrated again and again and again. And from that day, I learned to be humble before my wife, I learned to say sorry when I'm in error, and now we are very fine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so, repentance is very key. It is also a way, a means, through which God will forgive you and then power His Holy Spirit 
upon your life. So they received the power. They, when they had received this power in chapter 2, the, the, the timid and the coward Peter, who once denied Christ not only once or twice, but three times. Actually, the Bible records three times. But I can guarantee if the Bible says three, there could be 3,000 times. Because the Bible says one day before God is like a thousand days. So you never know. So he had denied Christ three times. This same Peter who once denied Christ three times, you remember even on the other day, he made an attempt to walk on water. And then as he was walking, then he doubted Christ. So he denied Jesus, but also doubted him. Because when he doubted, he started capsizing, sinking. So this same coward, Peter, this timid, after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see him now walking out of the room with the rest of the apostles and he stands on the streets of Jerusalem and he begins now speaking the counsel of God in the hearing of everybody. And the Holy Spirit has given him an utmost divine utterance that he can speak in any tongue that is there. The Holy Spirit is doing very immediate translations. Immediately as he speaks, the Holy Spirit translates in different languages that had gathered there that very day. So the same Peter, he begins challenging these Pharisees and the Jews and everyone. You are the very ones who arrested this man, had him beaten, crucified. La, la, la. He gives a narration of what transpired without fear. With the Spirit of God has come upon you. Forget about your weaknesses and your struggles and your incapacities. He gives you supernatural grace. You do things and sometimes you wonder, am I the one that has done it? Am I the one that has excelled into this? Where have I gotten the favor to go through this panel? The Spirit of God will give you grace that no human means can hinder and sabotage. The hand of God will prepare you to a greater and a better destiny. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow. A spirit of God, you need that baptism. Brother, you need that baptism, my sister. You need the person of the Holy Spirit. In your life, the Holy Spirit is a need. It is a must. You need him in your life. So this Peter is now strong and bold. This Peter now, after baptism of, by the Holy Spirit power, he stands up amidst a huge diverse crowd at Jerusalem. And he boldly witnesses, hallelujah. He witnesses. Therefore, a Christian who has not had such an encounter, such a baptism, they will wither and it's hard to capture the kingdom mindset. So each one of us need that. Their witness was heavenly approved because they have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Even as they minister, their ministry is approved. And how do we see this approval? The Bible tells us on, in chapter 3, in chapter 3 on verses, uh, beginning on 37, when Peter and the team had witnessed, 
they haven't approved their ministry because they're already baptized. Now, when they heard this, who are they? That they are the congregation, different tribes that had come, different languages that had come to Jerusalem to do trade and business and so on. Some had gone for outing to have fun and they listened. And so now when they heard this, the testimony and the preaching by Peter and the team, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, <laughs> you see the way they are addressing them, brothers, at first they were hunting them to kill them. But because these men are now anointed and baptized with the Holy Spirit, you have no choice but to, to say, brothers, dear sirs. <laughs> you remember the other inmate in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Cyrus had been arrested and put in prison and the guard in the night, by the time he woke up, he found the chains are broke. And as he was about to stab himself, then he realized, Paul says, don't hurt yourself, we are all here. And this man puts his gun down and he comes and says, Sirs, what must I do? Which means in the presence of the Spirit of God, all your adversaries and your enemies will have no choice but to submit. The reason why most of us are still struggling and defeated by our physical and our spiritual enemies, it's because we have not yet had the encounter of the Holy Spirit and his presence is in short supply in our lives but when he is in plenty and he's there your enemies have no choice but to salute and say yes sir pass and go we have no choice you are guarded you are protected you are you're unique so these guys came said brothers brothers what shall we do you you see that statement what shall we do it portrays desperate it portrays that these guys are, they are not safe. They are vulnerable. What shall we do? They are vulnerable. It portrays their state of vulnerability. What shall we do? Peter had the answer. He stood, a man anointed and baptized, forgiven, because he has repented. He said to them, hey guys, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. Repent, number one. Because me and my team, we repented. And we have had this encounter. You can no longer run after us like you used to do. I can no longer get scared of a small girl to deny Jesus. I'm now strong because of the one who is in me is greater than the one in the world. And so, repent. So, so he tells them, repent. And then after repentance, be baptized, everyone of you, in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So repent. And so that's what he calls them to do. On verses uh, 37, now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. And so that is a fact that God blessed their ministry and it was impactful. I want you to note this. Before God gives his gift of the Holy Spirit. Number one, repentance must come first. And true repentance, turning to God in sorrow for sin. Secondly, there must be a reconciliation with God first. 
reconcile with your father. Turning to God in sorrow and then baptism was also a very important part of the message, especially when you see in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent for the kingdom of... So John, even the, 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 the Baptist knew that before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, before God discharging his forgiveness, the individuals needed to repent. So he preached repentance. Jesus himself in the gospel according to Luke chapter 13 verse 3, he says, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Peter understands that without repentance, there is no salvation. Friends, if we are going to witness the supernatural workings of God in our lives, if we are to receive the Holy Spirit empowering in this season, let us submit to Christ and come before him with repentant hearts. Peter, after a long sermon, he gives an altar call. Then the devastated people, devastated by what they had done, the crowd wanted to know what they could do to be set right with God. Peter instructs them to repent of their sins and actions and to demonstrate their submission to the Lordship of Jesus by being baptized in Jesus' name. What a humiliation for a crowd that less than two months earlier had cried out to Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. These are the same people. What a humiliation that after now a baptized man, Peter with the fire and Holy Spirit, when he stands before them, they have no choice but to feel vulnerable and empty. And then they cry, what do we do? And if they needed to be restored, they had to repent, then they would receive the Holy Spirit, fulfilling the prophecy that was given in Joel, chapter 2, that in the last days, that God of mercy and grace will pour out his spirit and the spirit will come upon young men. Young men will dream dreams and then so that prophecy was given and it is coming that it is for them the adults and their children because this salvation is for them and their children and their children's children. In this afternoon, I want to call you, come to Christ in repentance and ask him to forgive you where things have not worked right. And when you do that, I can assure you that God will forgive you and that he will baptize your life with a person of the Holy Spirit whose role is to set you free from every chains, but also to give you the supernatural grace to do things which you cannot do in your own strength. Praise the Lord. I just want us to rise up as we come before the presence of God, just takes a few minutes and just close your eyes. Ask the Lord, today we begin a journey of searching, self-abasement. On a day like this, a message like this puts us upon a place of total cleansing. Ask God, whatever has been wrong, the, the outpouring does not rest on a filthy place. The outpouring rests on a place that is cleansed. 
a cleansed place is what attracts the presence of God. Lift up your voices, either in me. You can do it even quietly. Lord, search my heart. Search my intellect. If there have been arguments in your head about the outworking of the Lord, if there have been things that have denied you from accessing the things, there are treasures out there. Ask the Lord, cleanse me. I am weak and that's why I generate all sorts of things. I allow things to come into my, my, my intellect, my, my brain. I have allowed things in my spirit. I have allowed, I have tolerated. You know, one of the charges Jesus gave to that church in Revelation was that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. So tolerance of certain things. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 27, Give no foothold to the devil. Father, we ask that even as the body of Christ, many times as an Anglican church, we have just entered into the period of Lent traditionally. We don't understand the outworking of the Spirit. This afternoon, Father, we ask that you forgive us. If there has been a season of dryness in our families, our lives, will you, O oh Lord, cleanse us? wash us thoroughly clean we repent of arrogance spiritual arrogance we repent of pride some of us have got to ask god to deal with the spirit of pride we repent of of, of sinful habits repetitive things things we have repeated over a time and they have cost there's, there's a cost attached to them we repent of not with you know refusing to heed to the voice of the spirit father have mercy we repent of things oh lord that we have done deliberately intentional sins intentional sins since we know full well that they are wrong we repent of lack of consecration we repent of rigidity go ahead just mention it to god rigidity we repent of failure to heed to the instruction of the holy spirit lord have mercy it is you that we desire now Father, drive out those things from ourselves. The sin of self-intrusion. The things we have nurtured in the inside. As ministers, Lord, as the body of Christ, as we enter the Lent season, we repent of pride. Lord, submission, lack of submission. We repent of all these things. Maybe a wife here, ask the Lord to forgive you. You are a husband. You already heard the testimony of our brother. Ask the Lord to give, forgive you. You are a pastor like me. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Father, forgive us. And we want to lay it all before your cross. You died for us, O oh Lord. And now, Father, give us the fruit of the Spirit. Give us love. Now begin to appropriate those things. Love, peace, joy, kindness, gentleness. Give us that kind of heart. Lord, even as we give, we give our hearts to you entirely, withholding nothing. We give it all to you. As we begin Lent, Father, we ask the grace to come to you and say, I am sorry, shall abide. Ask for that grace. Ask for the grace to come before God and say, Lord, I need a restoration. I need restoration. The restorative process starts at the point of surrender. So I surrender all to you. Maybe you are watching us online. I surrender for an instruction to come. 
an instruction that will carry the anointing of the outpouring. There is no Pente there is no Pentecost without Calvary. Did you hear that? There is no Pentecost. There is no experience of the Spirit without the experience of the cross. Without the experience of submission to Jesus Christ. Father, we get back to you. We come back to you. We are like those people. Your servant has said that those people were vulnerable. They said, now what shall we do? As a church, we ask the same question. As a nation, we ask that question. And you have provided the answer. It is that we might repent. We give you praise, my God. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. And Father, therefore, we ask that you bless your servant. Even as he has ministered, bless him. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. As we live here and even to come back in the evening, Father, we ask that your spirit will continue to ring in us this issue of conviction and how repentance generates the power to live as a Christian. We honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.